everybody welcome back to another episode of cape time and we are here to discuss the batman this is our primer episode for the movie we have not seen it yet but tom is seeing it very soon um on monday or tuesday right uh tuesday yeah tuesday i'm seeing it thursday we're both very excited to get into this movie man and um Holy shit. I mean, this last week, a lot of has come out on the movie in terms of some new clips. The, whole, the entire score dropped. I mean, there's been a lot. And I am. I want to dive into all of it. I want to dive into what, what the movie is about, where it might be going, my expectations, what maybe your expectations should be. Um, I, I want to dive into every aspect of this movie because this is one of my most anticipated movies of all time. I mean... I'm all in on this, and I'm ready. Tom, you ready to go into this? This is uh, this is one I've been waiting for for a very, very, very long time. So to say yes would be an understatement. I mean, this is oh man, oh man. I mean, this, I mean, if No Way Home hadn't come out a few months before. Like, I think this would be, you know, just, just one I'd freak out over. Just, I'm, I'm so excited to talk about this. This year two Batman story, detective, detective movie, you know, we got a serial killer Riddler. Paul Dano's the Riddler. I mean, come on. You're not getting better than that. Like this, You know, no. it's, it's interesting, man, because this is the cast that is so different compared to the Dark Knight trilogy when you think of the fact that, like, that was a movie that was... It's a Nolan movie, which means it's a star-studded blockbuster. Like, mm-hmm. like you had Christian Bale playing Batman. You had fucking Michael Caine as Alfred. You had fucking Morgan um, Freeman. Morgan Freeman playing um, Lucius Fox. You had Gary Oldman playing Commissioner Gordon. I mean, these are like huge mm. names, and the and the villains. I mean. Jesus, you had Killian Murphy as Scarecrow. You had Liam Neeson as character Rachel actors Gould. too, man. Oh, like yeah. that 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 was a mix of movie star and character actor. I mean, like everyone yeah. knew who Liam Neeson is, but nobody knew who like a guy like Tom Wilkinson was, who played uh-huh. Carmine Falcone in uh, Batman Begins, or like Killian Murphy. He was still getting a start, so like it was a nice mix. I mean, like I don't think Heath Ledger like was like uh, an A A lister. Like, he was well known. He was he was close. He was like one of the most. He was in Brokeback well, Mountain. Yeah. You know, he was like. The- he was an actor that people believed was about to get to that level. And that movie kind of cemented and him that, in that place. He, like, popped off in that movie. It was like, oh, man. Like, yeah. I, would, I would love to know what Batman 3 would have looked like with if he if he hadn't passed. But, you know, God. It's, yeah. it's one of those. But, you know, I, I'm just super excited to talk about this movie. I mean, we haven't had a solo Batman movie in a decade. Yeah. so Yeah, I mean, and, you know, like this entire cast, when I look at it, man, I still remember when all these announcements were coming out. I mean, at, at one point, I remember we heard Jonah Hill might play like Penguin or Riddler. Like there were so many different things out there, man. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was, it was crazy. And. You know, I'm a big indie movie guy. Like, I watched a lot of, like, A24 movies. I've grown to love a lot of those. And in general, over the last few years, I've really watched, like, an endless supply of movies. And, you know, as they were announcing the cast, I just couldn't believe that this was, like, quite literally my dream cast in a lot of ways. And, like, I'm not just saying that because, like, oh, you know, I, I heard about these actors and then I started watching the movies because of this. Like, no, I knew these actors, mostly all of them, before... 
they announced it and i i was um, i was just stunned like freaking paul dano as soon as i heard his name i was like oh my god they got the guy from prisoners they got the guy from the uh, love and mercy like they got um there will be blood i mean they got one of the best well underrated actors out there and then obviously robert pattinson after seeing like the lighthouse and like all his other good time all the other movies he's done i was like wow like this is incredible and you just keep going down the list i mean colin farrell jeffrey wright andy circus barry kogan john tutero i mean peter skarsgård like this cast is zoe kravitz oh my god i mean that's loaded man it's 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 one of my favorite ensembles potentially ever if they pull it off the way I think they are. It's it's I'm so happy with it. I really am. You know, I couldn't agree more. I mean, like when Paul Dano got cast as Riddler, it was one of the more automatic. Oh yes, yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense because that motherfucker does look like he just asks people riddles all the time, just in real life. So uh, yeah, like. It's it's one of the best comic book movie casts in a while. I mean, these people all fit their parts so well. It's very weird. It's almost like it's almost like this movie is being made almost like uh, in a way less less of a machine kind of way. It's almost like it. I hate to be pretentious and say like no, it's know, a real movie, but you get what I'm kind of saying. Like. They could take their time with it in in a way that Marvel films usually can't because there are certain schedules, certain release dates that have to be hit. You know, well, less that's, time no, that's the VFX. whole thing. Like this is a case of a movie where it's not in a connected universe. So like I mean in Marvel, it's like, okay, this movie needs to come out at this time, otherwise the following movie and the movie before aren't gonna make sense or something. Like mm-hmm. and they have to keep they have to keep that in mind with every release but with this it's just no this is a standalone movie we drop this whenever we want and it makes no difference in terms of the way the movie's perceived so they can just drop it anytime and beyond that this movie twice i mean yeah delayed this movie twice yeah yeah and fucking matt reeves he has every bit of creative control he literally said like every scene that was deleted it was deleted because he chose to delete it it's not a case of they, the studio forced him they to take him it out. It, yeah, yeah. Like he just said, like, no, I, I took this out because of pacing and like stuff like that. But um, in the end, though, like he talked about like one scene with a certain unseen prisoner, and like he said how they cut one of them, and he said like that's the one scene he kind of wishes was still in there. But I guess I would guess it was for pacing reasons. Probably just yeah, yeah. I would guess. And in the end. He said we're probably still going to end up seeing it like as a deleted scene, which is cool. So I'm looking forward yep. to getting a chance and, for that. And said unseen prisoner is also still in the movie, but at the end, toward the end. Yeah, so, yeah, he's still he's yeah. still in the movie. A certain unseen prisoner filmed two scenes, one stayed, one left. So, yeah, it's exciting. And I mean, um, you know, this is the movie I think critics are going to absolutely love. And I'll be interested to see how the audience perceives it. Because I could see a scenario where, not where they're split, but like I could see a scenario where some people aren't ready for such a different take on a comic book movie. Because this is different. There's no denying it. This is literally like a mix of, obviously, it's like Batman meets Zodiac meets Saw. Like that's kind of what this oh and, and like honestly you know better this is better Batman meets Saw meets Chinatown it's only those three movies all blended into one 
and it's very unique. It's very unique. It really is Detective Batman with action, but it does yes. still have the thing is that makes it so exciting is that it still does have that trademark action. Oh yeah, they're not uh, they're not definitely. like the thing is they're not gonna make. Uh, a, a slog, uh, three hour where it's like, okay, can we, can we? I get we're doing the detective thing, but yeah. I mean, one thing about Batman is he can kick your ass as well. It's still in there. It's still there. It's still there. I mean, we're getting, yeah, like, yeah, definitely. Because the, there's a lot. I mean, just just a, look at, yeah, just look at the trailers. There's a lot of different separate action sequences we've already gotten to look at that are clearly from different parts of the movie. So, like, yep. you can tell. Like, we, like, we have the chase sequence with um, Penguin. Yeah. We have right. the scene with, well, let's with name him. him. Um, yeah. Let's name him. Let's name him. Okay. So, we got the train station beatdown. Yeah, you got the, you got the right. chase. That counts. Iceberg Lounge. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, GCPD, right? Yeah. Uh, when uh, Batman fucking yeah. sucks, <laughs> Gordon, <laughs> he's just like, yep. And then you got, you know, uh, when he's he's got the wingsuit on. That's part of the GCPD one. That that counts as yeah, the yeah. same. Uh, Batman and Catwoman will face off a few times. There's one. It looks to be on the roof of the GCPD. Uh huh. Or or I don't know, but yeah. And wait, then wait, there's the, oh, the, the, the entire sequence where like Riddler comes out with like holding the machine gun in the one trailer, like that whole. That's area. actually. That's actually it seems to be at it like a campaign office or, or like uh -huh. an arena. Like I, I couldn't tell yeah. what that was. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it looks big. It looks like a yeah, big, very big facility. So like I think that's probably the final kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then I I think like the flood counts as action in a way, right? The whole kind of um... flood thing. Yeah, yeah, it's not yes. it's not physical action. It's more it's, it's it's high stakes though. It's high stakes and yeah. it's dramatic. It counts. Yeah, there's just a lot of different action scenes, and you just mentioned the Batmobile chase scene with the penguin. You know, I think there's another one where, you know, uh, I think like Cat. I, no, it was Bruce. I think stopping like a drug dealer. So I don't know. But like, you know, I, I've come to a very clear assessment at this point. People that have backgrounds in horror are perfect for comic book movies. Like literally, they are perfect for comic. I mean, Scott. James James Wan with Aquaman. Scott Derrickson. Scott Derrickson. I mean, and beyond that too, dude. Especially with the Batman, it couldn't be more perfect. Like mm -hmm. having a horror element with this character is surreal quite honestly for me and like just looking at especially the entire the chase sequences in particular is what i think that's going to be my favorite scene from the entire movie because like it's very like um what's the uh, that movie christine with with the uh i haven't seen it before but with the car like they take like mm -hmm. a horror movie from, from the 80s like they took influence from that for like the feel of the batmobile and like how it's almost like a monster in itself and in like they make it so scary and the way they shoot it and you have this darkness around it with the flames coming out. It's like such a horror look and feel to it. And then the best part about it, especially I think is when in the, in the new clip we got the 32nd clip where um, it looks like the Batmobile explodes and you have, you know, uh, Colin Farrell's penguin going the, I got you, you freaking psycho. I got you. And then the fucking car comes exploding 
out of the out of the rubble it's and everything. Like, you're not and getting you, rid of me that easily. And they don't, so. you see the look. The best part is the look in his eyes, where it's just like he. They, it's like he's looking at a mon, a pure monster, and then it's like, like, oh, it's so good. And it's the like, what the fuck am I dealing in. with? And then you hear that creepy score kick in. Like it sounds like it's literally right out of a horror movie. Like the high pitched string noises, and, and it's as it's coming towards fucking penguin. And then after, even better is when he walks out of the car from the other parts of the trailers. And it's upside down, and you see him like peek under the car as literally right out of a horror movie, like where like, you just see what's up, his, bro? like his head just doing? pops under. It's so it's literally everything I have wanted in a Batman movie that hasn't been done before. A purely dark and a horror take on it, where you really feel like Batman is more myth than man to these people, and that is incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, like, there's this kind of supernatural element to Batman where it's like, we saw it in a shot. You know, I think that counts as another action scene, the scene where he's, like, perched on the ceiling and the wait. flashlight hits him. Remember? And the flashlight hits him. Oh, wait, there's is that a... new? Is that kind of new? No, he's, like, he's like he's hanging by the ceiling. I might have seen it. I don't know. You, you would know when you see it. It's... I. There's, there's a scene where he's hanging on the ceiling and he's trying to hide and then the flashlight hits 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 him and then he attacks. Uh-huh. It's kind of like the scene in Batman versus Superman where... Yeah, but when they, the cops walk into the abandoned building yeah, and, he's, and he's in the It's court. like yeah. that. Yeah, so there's another... That, I think that counts. Uh, when, when do you think is going to be the first scene that we see Batman? Right away. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing. Like, this movie, they made it clear, too, from the, all the interviews at Reeves, it's very Hitchcock in the sense that it's very focused on just Bruce Wayne and Batman, the one character. Like, almost the entire movie is from his perspective, unlike... This isn't a knock on the other ones, just to clarify, just different style, but, like, Batman Begins or mainly Dark Knight, honestly, where, like, you have a lot of scenes where it's, like, just Joker or some scenes with just Gordon and Dents. Like, you have a lot of scenes that are separate from batman but this movie is like probably 90 percent batman on the screen so like i think we're gonna get him literally right off the get-go honestly i think within like the first five minutes we're going to see batman you know i tend to agree i think here's what i think oh god tom rarely has thoughts so this could, this better be good uh i think you'll see bruce first and then very quickly, and then he he gets he gets to call the act to action probably because listen to the yeah. score that the first song you can kind of tell like this is gonna be him getting ready like you can just tell by the music. Yeah, so like that's kind of my my guess is that it's gonna be, you know, Bruce sees like some criminals doing some shit, and it's like all right, I'm about to beat your ass, and then you see him suit up, and then, you know, I think hey, keep keep in mind done. the um. That, that's got to be early because the third track here is called It's Raining Vengeance. So that's almost definitely the, the I'm Vengeance scene because that literally mm. is exactly what the scene is. It's raining and he goes, I am Vengeance. So I, I would assume that's the same sequence. And that, that means it has to be within the first like 15, 20 minutes tops. Like it's got to be early. I love that. I need that. 
I think yeah. that makes sense because that's a great way to introduce just how brutal this character is. Just how vengeance he is. Oh yeah. That's how how vengeance are you? I am vengeance. I really oh. need somebody to confirm to me that we get some like deep Batman monologues and like narrating throughout the movie. I need that. I need I, that. I, I, I need somebody to confirm that for me because I want I need that to be a thing. Uh, I love that uh fear is a tool. Oh, what? That's oh so in that light, it's the sky. It's not just the call. It's, it's a warning. Like, that like, is such uh, a good fucking line. Like, imagine him saying that in the first scene. Like, I forgot how I picture it. I picture like the entire first sequence, him getting ready as he and he's as he's getting ready. You get this whole sequence of him like where his head is at, what he's thinking as he sees the light in the sky, and he goes off to go fucking beat the shit out of all those people by the train station. Like, that's exactly what I want to a T. And I feel like that's honestly what I'm going to get. So I'm very excited. He is vengeance. Oh, my God. Like, I don't even think I can comprehend how good I would love for him to. I would love for him to say, I am vengeance. I am the night. The night, yeah. And then, and then, and then instead of saying, I am Batman, I would say, I am the Batman. Yeah. Just have the the in there. You know what? The last line in the movie, I am Vengeance, I am the Night. Yeah, that's I what I was thinking. And then, the, and then the title card hits. Yeah, yeah. Bah, 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 bah. And it's like, yep, yep, yep. yep. This that's is going to be insanity. Like, I mean, I have been waiting so long for this movie. And my friends, like, I know they're very excited, too. We're all seeing it together on that Thursday. And shit, it's gonna be, that's going to be a packed day. I'm really going to be busy that entire day. But it's going to be so worth it. Because the entire day, I'm just going to be thinking, it's fucking Batman Day! I'm gonna be fucking going and in my get, Batman shirt. I'm so excited. And you gotta remember that uh, t- tomorrow, the I mean, no Monday, the Monday the use, embargo. Yeah. Yep. So embargo is uh, gone. So you know that that always kind of sets the mood a little bit. Yeah, because it it's does. like with No Way Home, it definitely be, did. When No Way Home debuted debuted with uh, like a hundred percent around tomatoes, yeah. it was like. I mean, as much as those scores don't matter, it's always fun to see, you know, a movie you want to see get good reviews. So, well, of course, because it just um, makes you a little more excited going in, knowing like everybody okay. loves this. Like, holy shit! Like this, this actually might be as good as everyone thought it was going to be. Holy, oh my yeah, God. and like obviously, you have to go in with your own kind of, you know, fresh eyes. But it's still nice. It's nice to know that like it seems like a lot of people that I respect like the movie and mm-hmm. you know i think there's something to that and i don't think you're a bad person for at least paying attention to some of those scores no so. I, I i always pay attention to the scores i don't again i obviously don't let them make my own opinion but i consider them and i'm curious by them and i love to see obviously the film do well because of the people involved with the film like imagine like seeing the movie get off to 100 percent start like i'd just be thinking Good for Robert Pattinson and Matt Reeves, dude. Like, this is fucking awesome. Like, they are getting so much love, and that's what you want to see. So that's what mm-hmm. really how I look at the reviews, just how much it does it means to the people involved that the world is so in love with what they're doing. That's what's awesome. Yeah, I mean, the ticket tracking looks really good as well. It seems like they have a smash hit on their hands. So in with good reviews, that'll only increase. I mean... I really do think that the the trashing of Batman versus Superman stopped it from hitting a billion dollars. Uh-huh. Like, 
I think it. I think you know when people go check the reviews for a movie and they see twenty six percent, like that really poo pooed on the whole thing. So, mm-hmm. so um, in a way, these reviews do matter for for those kinds of general audiences on the fence. Kind of that 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 matters. So. There you go. That's all I have to say about that. Sometimes I'm smart. Mm-hmm. Not all um, the I'm trying to think. What else do I want to talk about? I mean, I'll say after listening to the score, dude, it's fucking awesome. It's really good. Like, again, the whole thing with this score, it's not like No Way Home, where for me, that score was like, it's very complex. Like, it's there's so much going on, and it works. It works. And I didn't even think about that when I said it, but same same composer obviously which is make it adds even more to like it's not like he can't do crazy complex shit because he can we've seen him do crazy complex shit but also some of the best scores and, and themes could be the most simple i mean this is the same guy that did the main theme for up with with the famous theme that everybody fucking listened to for years and still do like that's the same guy who's doing the Batman score. And in the same sense, you're getting that same level of simplicity with the theme where it's literally just the same notes going, duh, 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 duh. It's basically just the Imperial March from Star Wars mixed with like Chopin's funeral march. And it's like this crazy mix of like, again, it's almost like you could tell it's meant to be like a dark funeral kind of vibe. And that's, that's literally Batman. Like, that is Batman. And then you look at, like, Riddler. He's about to fuck you up. Yeah. And I mean, fucking Riddler's, too. Like, that's um, Ave Maria, basically. Like, his theme is almost Ave Maria to a T, but with, like, different, slightly different notes and modifications. But, like, it's very, very close. And that's with intention to the meaning of the movie in addition to the significance of the song in the movie. And and then you go to Catwoman's theme, and you have this like 1940s noir piano sound yeah. going on the whole time, and it's very mm-hmm. atmospheric. And that's what this whole score is, man. It's atmospheric, and it's creating. A reminded, yeah, her theme kind of reminded me of like the Arkham City music with with her. Yeah, yeah, a little bit like especially during that first mission when he plays Catwoman. Mm-hmm. That kind of it just has that kind of vibe to it. It's very atmospheric, like you said. So. Yeah, and I, I think that's... I think that works, and for this movie in particular, really good because this movie is all about atmosphere. I mean, just look at the entire aesthetic and feel of the movie without the score. Like you know what Production this movie feels like is insane. Oh my! It's like you can feel the grime and the corruption. This has some of the best production design. Oh yeah, in any comic book movie, it's insane. I, yeah, I mean this this it's. Like the feel of that movie, like Seven from David Fincher, like it's that same kind of grimy feel to it, except it's in the world of Batman, and and you can feel the aesthetic even through the costumes from Riddler and from Batman, and how different it is, and you can just tell like this score perfectly encapsulates that, and it's just amazing what Giacchino has done with this, and I am just absolutely amazed by. Like you said, the whole production of this movie, whether it's the cinematography, the music, and I mean, so God, the way it's filmed, I mean, it's some, these are some of the best shots I've seen in a comic book movie. Like, no way around it. It's amazing what they're doing. And I think this is going to be 
a movie for the ages. I I think it's gonna be one of the best ever. I do. It's basically what would happen if like you teamed up the best the best people in the world and gave them no deadline and just let them make the movie they wanted to make. Yeah. And bring their A game to it. And it's like, hey, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'm just saying. And they're like super fans of Batman. You can tell that like yeah. Matt Reeves is just a nerd. And yeah. like Giacchino even is a nerd for Batman. And like, yeah. it, it seems like everyone involved just has this love for the character. So, and, it, and, and you just see it. It just shines through. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, this is very much a passion project for Reeves and everybody involved. And that's what, that's when the best movies are made, when it's all about the passion and heart put into them. And that's what this clearly is. And as of now, man, I'm really just, I have no concerns about this movie, quite honestly. Like, I'm not worried about anything. And because this is just a movie where Reeves, again, got full creative control. And, and WB, after this movie, they're going to really give him control because, like, you know how much money they're going to make? They're going to make their money back on opening weekend, dude. Because the budget's only $100 million for this movie. $100 million. Like, they're making their money back in a weekend. In a freaking weekend. They are going to make 10 times what they what their budget is. Minimum. Like, it's, it's incredible how profitable this movie is going to be for Warner Brothers. So, they are going to make as much content as they can with Reeves after this. It's, it's obvious. How could that possibly be profitable for Frito-Lay? Have you ever seen that movie? I have not. Oh damn it! Damn it! I wish you understand understood my references, but I, I'm sorry. Right. Oh man, damn it! But uh, yeah, I mean, they Batman always sells. Like the fact that this movie's gonna make money is of little surprise. But you know, it's nice to know that we're probably gonna get sequels as long as this gets good reviews and makes its money. We're good. We're going to have our little Batman uh, franchise. Yeah. So. And it's gonna and, and I'm excited to see what they do in the next movie, obviously. But I'm not even going to get into that today. If anything, I'll get into that for the end portion of the review. Because I'm sure there will be some ideas of where it's heading by the end mm-hmm. of it. So we'll get into that then. But, um, you know, this is probably going to be one of the riskiest movies ever in terms of what they're trying to accomplish because i mean a three-hour batman movie that's a noir thriller is so ambitious like it's it's like that's the kind of thing i'm hoping i don't want to make it into this but like that i kind of start to see from marvel again that the idea and i think we're, we're potentially getting there with like something like dr strange maybe because that feels like very ambitious just watching the trail the new trailer like it's very not just in the sense of the multiverse but in the tone of it and what may be happening like they might be taking some major risk which i appreciate but um but um, in the case of the batman though this is one of the most beloved franchises ever i mean batman is probably him and him spider-man and superman are like the three most popular comic book heroes ever like i don't yeah. like those are the, those are the big three i would say personally I in, think in, that's in, in society, those are the big three. So when you think of that, you come into these movies as an audience probably with certain expectations. Like especially after growing up with a lot of people for the Nolan trilogy, like these, you kind of think of these as just straightforward 
not to say they didn't have more than this, but they're very much action movies. Like, they have more depth to them, but there's, like, a constant action and shit going on in these movies. While this one is going to really let the audience sit back at times and just process a lot of what's going on in a way that I don't think has been done yet in Batman. And it's going to really make you dive into Bruce Wayne, which is very, very exciting. Yeah, it's just a different way to do this kind of thing. I mean, I think that's the thing that will keep comic book movies fresh is, like, new takes. And, like, like you said, no one had kind of this crime drama kind of action feel to it, and that's cool. Uh, that that was his interpretation, and it rocked. And, uh, you know, we're getting this noir detective movie, you know, with, like, horror elements. Ooh, I almost dropped my microphone there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like... It's just a different way of doing Batman, and like I think the fact that there is another way to do Batman is the reason why this movie has validity to it, which is it's like another reason why this movie can exist because it's not rehashing what we've already seen. You know, we haven't seen Riddler in a Batman movie that really is even close to this. I mean, we we saw a cartoony kind of version. In, in Batman Forever, I mean, Riddler's one of the best Batman villains. We haven't seen, you know, a comic book. There we go. There we go. Yeah. We haven't seen, we haven't seen like, Goth. I, I don't feel like we've ever seen Gotham City really, really, really modernized, but still feel gothic since Batman Begins. Like, mm-hmm. it, it just has this grimy, disgusting feel to it. And it feels like almost otherworldly in a way. And it's like, ooh, ooh, okay, ew, grimy, gross. And that's the way Batman should feel. It honestly feels like Arkham Batman in a way in terms of that kind of. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the city has very much like the, it looks like the city from Arkham Knight pretty much, honestly, in a lot of ways. Like it looks in very a lot of ways, yeah. yeah, so. But the, but the best part about it is they were smart in where they decided to film because they got a lot of because when you film in a lot of these London based locations you have a lot of gothic architecture just naturally yeah. in the area and that adds a lot to like the entire feel of the movie too because it's like all natural and just part of what's what they where they were filming I mean look at Wayne Manor dude from some of these shots like it's so gothic on the inside like it's like in that area where got where um alfred was sitting in one in one of the uh, clips i saw like you look at like the architecture above him and around him it's like it's like you're in dracula's mansion or something like it's so different from like the the basic mansion we've gotten like in other iterations it's mm-hmm. totally very unique new vibes man new vibes i mean the set design is just immaculate in this movie honestly it's pretty crazy it's like fuck yeah like give me that man and and like you said i mean it just feels like a place you can you can't go to in real life it doesn't feel like you know new york or chicago or pittsburgh and it's like as as like it was passable i mean it's fine in the dark knight it's fine in the dark knight rises but like the cool thing about gotham is like it's got a very clear aesthetic to it where it's like yeah this place is a shithole with with a lot yeah. of cool architecture it's a cool looking shithole it rains all the time all right you got batman swinging around doing his thing just make it look 
you got to make it look haunting. You got to make it look like it's it is just hell on earth. That's my take. I no, you're right. I think that's definitely the feel Gotham should consistently have because it very much is hell on earth. And you look at a movie like Batman Begins, and you know you had a very clear distinction between the upper class and the poor in that movie and the areas, and that's the movie where they focused on it more than any of the others. And you can feel it even in the set design and the looks of that movie. Like when you go to like the slums and everything, everything has like an orangey tint and and like feel to it when you go to the slums. But then when you go to the nicer areas of Gotham, it looks very just like New York City. So you're getting what feels like honestly almost like two different cities within the same city in Batman Begins. And that's kind of what I think we're going to get not even that's a, I don't even think that's what we're gonna get here. Honestly, I think this movie is gonna be more of like they found a perfect way to integrate the two feels with the same aesthetic while having it be natural, which is very challenging. It's just off the top of my head, but just looking at what they've done in trailers, I think they've accomplished that probably. But um, I guess we'll see. But yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is tricky to every. I mean. I don't really know what I'm saying, just because, you know, I'm dumb. But but there are certain things that you have to nail for me, for Batman, to really become definitive. To become the definitive Batman. Atmosphere is huge. Character design is huge. You know, it's just, like, there's this all-encompassing aspect to the Batman and his world. Where, like, I don't want us to be super realistic in a way you get what i'm saying like i i already had that with dark knight Dark Knight rises like i want to be like i said earlier hell on earth i want a grimy gotham with she apartment complexes diner with the steam you know foaming out of it you know i want it raining all the time i want neon lights everywhere i want gothic architecture i want a, a brooding batman i want a selena kyle who talks in cat puns and that is what she's doing in this I want a yep. Riddler leaving riddles at his crimes. We're getting all of it. It feels that's like the, bat- that's the, it's very grounded yet also comic booky. That's the one thing it's yes, this movie is doing best better than any, I think. It feels like Arkham Batman. It really does because there is a realism to Arkham Batman, but it still feels very comic booky at the same time. Like you get what I'm saying? Like I don't Yeah, yeah. Like there, like the thing about Arkham Batman, it's like there, there really is a real, realistic kind of vibe to it. You got dirty streets. You got a, a Batman who doesn't even have the white eyes. It doesn't, you know, the character models are all human and like realistic. Yeah. They're not comic book. There is a very realistic kind of thing about Arkham Batman, but like it's still, it's still comic booky as shit, man. You got like Solomon Grundy underground and shit, like. It's like, I just think that's what Matt Reeves is doing. I think, like, these these kinds of, like, concerns about him being too realistic are overblown because we're still getting these characters that are, you know, he's going to do Mr. Freeze in a few years. Let's be honest. He is, definitely, I think. I heard but, that, um, I think there's no end credit scene for this movie, but I believe they were saying that there's, like, teases in the credits or something of, like, what's coming. I, I forget what the exact quote was, but... It sounded like the, there's clear teases for what will come, but there's no actual end credit scene. So, 
That will be interesting. Yeah, I mean, this is a movie that doesn't need an end credit scene, so I'm okay with no. that. Uh, Dark, I mean, Dark yes. Knight didn't need it. Neither did Batman Begins. Batman Begins had, like, the coolest ending yeah. ever, and it didn't even yeah. have an end credits. It was... Well, it was Gordon Hanson. Take this guy, for example. Taste for the theatrical, like you. Hands him the card. He flips it over. It says, Joker, you know what's coming next. It's like, hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. And, then he, and then he jumps off and starts gliding into the camera. That's a great shot to end the movie, I must say. Yeah. Dun, dun. And then Dark Knight picks up a few months after. I mean, good Lord. Chris Nolan, I love you, buddy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this. Uh, I don't need a, an end credit scene for, for this movie. I just I just need a great three hour noir detective Batman movie and that seems to be what we're getting. So and yeah, I always I always love a good detective story in which like it's raining all the time when they're like, you get what I'm feeling like. No, I know, I, I know what you mean. Like sitting out a diner eating some pancakes, drinking some black coffee. You walk out, it's raining. You're reading a newspaper. That's just the kind of vibes. Yeah, kind of. Little Blade Runner, but a little 1940s noir. It's almost oh, like totally. this timeless. Yeah. Little bit. It's very timeless in a way, but it, it still feels yeah. modern at the same time. No, I, mean, you I got, agree. You got Riddler making FaceTime calls, so it can't be too too timeless. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that's 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 hilarious though. He makes a phone. That's good. That's good stuff. I mean, I I I, I would have cracked up if they did the Arkham City Riddler thing where he's like on a projector. Yeah, yeah. Like that would have, I would have died if he, if he did that. I, I kind of I kind of wish they did that. <laughs> he puts a projector in his crimes. Oh yeah, uh, can't I'm beat a genius. it. I'm a genius, man. I think I figured it out. Um, what else is there? What else do you want to get into with this movie? Oh, I, I'll tell you, buddy. I'll tell you. I, like Go I said, it. I have been I have been waiting for this for a while. You see me throw that, but I did. Here's the thing. I want to see the kind of internal struggle between Bruce and Batman, that ego storyline. I want to see that really take center in the movie to go along with the detective stuff. I want to see this this Bruce Wayne really, really have to struggle with himself in ways we've never seen Batman struggle. I mean, this is a year or two Batman. He doesn't know if he's making any difference yet. You know, you got this Riddler guy who's literally committing crimes you know left and right he can't seem to find a way to stop him doesn't even know who he is and he's exposing family secrets you know the family secrets are probably gonna be not great not great not a good look for the waynes yeah uh and so like i just really like that's the thing that i'm most interested in to see how pattinson plays that and to see the how the character grows grows from and and really how the character grows from being i'm vengeance to i'm batman the hero the person that like you see we've seen a shot of him holding someone that's gonna be the the turning point of the movie i think yeah i want yeah yeah like i want to see a batman that's like close to really losing what he's all what he what he's all about and then that big turning point like kind of like no way home in a way but in a different way, obviously. Aunt May yeah. doesn't have to die again. She's died already. Uh, but yeah. But yeah, that's the thing I want to see the most. Yeah, that's definitely up there for the things I'm most interested in. Because I, I, I'm just very interested in the psychology of the character as a whole. That's a big part of what makes Batman such a 
great character to watch consistently in all these different adaptations. But, um, you know, I guess the thing, if I had to choose one thing I'm really most interested in is probably... I'm going to hesitantly say, I think the dynamic between Alfred and Bruce as a whole is something I'm no, very... I, I very much want to see how that relationship is because... Very Arkham Origins. Very Arkham Origins, where, like, in Arkham Origins... He, he accepted what Batman was doing, but he was constantly bringing up the Waynes and him and eating to, you know, like he says something along the lines of an Arkham Origins, like, you're a billionaire with a trust fund too big for your head or something. And he's like, just shitting on him, like, because of how stubborn Bruce is. And I think that's the exact dynamic we're going to be getting in this movie. And yeah, I'm very, and, and, very excited for it. And from that clip they released, it seems like, Yes. Really, Alfred is really trying to get this Bruce to start living again, in a way. Start living as Bruce again, I should say. Because remember, uh, there's a line in uh, the promotional material where Bruce says, two years has turned me into a nocturnal animal. And uh, it's like, bro, you're a billionaire, and like you got, you got other stuff. Like You could be making a real difference. Like You could be at least trying to make a difference. Yeah. But, but, but as we find out, corruption... You know, it's very hard to make a difference by just throwing money at the problems because the people handling the money will not use them for good, good, uh, good intent, I guess I should say. So I think that kind of dynamic between like what Bruce can do as Bruce versus what Bruce can do as Batman and which who can make the most difference and really Bruce realizing that both are needed because Bruce can help help kind of kill off the corruption as Bruce. But also, he can fight it off as well as Batman. Yes, I think Sometimes that's I'm smart. Yeah, that, that's a great take. I mean, it's going to be interesting seeing how this character develops over the course of what's potentially a trilogy. Because we've heard already them talk about how, like, you know, this is also a Batman that hasn't embraced like this whole billionaire persona yet, and like that's something that I think we will get, and I hope we get, but not definitely not in the first movie for sure. But I think by the end of it he may come to the realization of what he also needs to be as Bruce though. And we might get that next movie, but I don't know, honestly, I I'm because it depends what they even do with the next movie. Cause we've had, we've heard so many rumors of like no man's land, which is probably where they're going just based on certain aspects of this movie. But I mean, who really knows? I guess we'll see. But um, in the end though, the, the, the development of Bruce Wayne versus the development of Batman will be very interesting and in seeing how the two clash and interfere with each other. Cause that's a big part of what it's like. It's like with Spider-Man, but in a different way where like Spider-Man, you have the two lives being so unbalanced that you, you get that here, but you get it in a much darker kind of way. And it's more psychological rather than circumstantial with that. Uh, yeah, especially with, uh, you know, the big family secrets getting out. I mean, like, Bruce's psyche is going to be put to the test. And, like, fuck, man. Like, and I love how, like, Carmine Falcone is going to kind of attach to that as well. Because, like, it's clear there's something there as well, especially by the clip that released. They really have to stop releasing clips, by the way. I- I'm okay. I'm set. I'm set for now. We're okay now. Okay. Cause like, I'm one of those people. I can't stop myself. Yeah. So, me neither. Like, the, the least, the, the less you can like release the better for me. So I'm good. But 
you know, I love that they took the long Halloween kind of thing that happened where uh, Carmine got shot and, and Thomas, yeah. you know, saved his life and like, fuck. And so let's say, you know, I could say what, what, what the return favor was, but I'm not going to, uh, because this is a preview episode and not yeah. a review episode. But, you know, there is a connection there. And really, I love how all of these things are so intertwined with one another. I mean, like, think about it. I mean, Riddler connects to, 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 to Thomas and Martha Wayne through the orphanage. Falcone connects to Thomas and Martha Wayne through what Thomas did for him and what Carmine did for Thomas and Martha. You know, freaking Penguin works for Carmine. So it's all, and then obviously Selena. If anyone's read a comic book, you know that Selena is the probable daughter of Carmine Falcone. Uh, so it's all very connected, and I just really like interconnected storytelling like this, but not in a MCU-type way where yeah. it's like... I'm, I'm talking about more of an individual, standalone kind of connected plot. Mm-hmm. Like, think think of The Dark Knight. Think of how like Two-Face, Harvey Dent connects to Batman's you know, investigation of the Joker, but he also connects to Bruce's personal life because he's dating Rachel. Like, kind of, things like yeah, that. Yeah. And it's, just, it's just good storytelling, honestly. I think, you're, you know, Matt Reeves said, I wanted to do a Batman story that will push Batman to his emotional limits. All of these people can do that just mm-hmm. by revealing what the past was. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. No, no, I absolutely understand what you're saying. Like Bruce's there. psyche's fucked, and he's already pretty fucked up on its own, on his own. Just yeah, seeing how he handles the fallout of that of that news being revealed will be very. I mean, we we kind of saw like a brief glimpse of that in the trailer, where he's like, "You lied to me, Alfred, or something." Like I can't. All think of these line, years. Yeah, all these years, lied. and like he, and you see Alfred just look down in shame, and like you can just tell there's that's gonna be like a very intense scene. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's gonna happen like right after, right after the big reveal, and then like Bruce is gonna have to muster up the strength to put the suit on and be the uh, hero of Gotham. And really, I, I really am looking forward to seeing a Lanny become a hero. Like, yeah. That like I really want to see Batman become that symbol of hope, and like we've seen it in the marketing. God damn it! I think they showed a little too much uh but yeah i i mean that shot where he's holding the person in the sunlight that's just good shit because usually oh, batman is, yeah batman's usually in the shadows in the dark and to see him pop out in the light it's like oh oh that's good that's that's the good stuff now go now let's, let's go do robin uh mm-hmm. you know uh but yeah i mean i'm just so excited for that aspect and i'm really excited to see like the whole aspect between you know Bruce and Selena kind of because they're very different but they have interconnected storytelling because obviously Selena has some some things against Carmine for reasons can't talk about them uh, Bruce is obviously Bruce obviously from the marketing again uh, is shown to not very he's not he's not he doesn't really like Carmine that much let's say that and uh, you know I think that'll inter- interconnect and you know we see uh, I think what I think they reveal this too but a friend of Selena's goes missing uh, by the Riddler so that's how they interconnect there 
I'm in, I'm interested to see if they have some sort of falling out, though. I would really okay. like to see a falling out between them, where like they initially friends, but then Selena has to do something to get her friend back, and then third act and team up. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think like they can do something cool. I see because like I know most of the spoilers, but I don't know everything. Yeah, me neither. I, I, and I would like to keep it that way until uh, Tuesday. So, you know, I'm just very excited. I'm excited to spoil you on everything the day before. <laughs> That's going to be great. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, fuck. Are, are there any other, like, aspects? Like, I'm, I'm a huge, like, Paul Dano, like, enthusiast. Yeah. So, like, I, I just want to see that. I want to see that guy have one scene where he gets the shit beat out of him, just like in every of his movies. Because like uh-huh. that's just that's become a theme, and I think this is a good movie for that. Yeah. Just, just. Uh, what what do you think, buddy? Because like I I just want, I, I just talked for uh, a little too much. For the case of Dano. Yeah, or, or for both, for Selena or for Dano, go for it. I mean, I like I was saying before, Dano is one of the one of, one of my favorite actors from that entire. I'm not gonna say he because he's done more than indie movies now, but that's kind of where I know him heavily from. And just you know, the guy knows how to play a creep. Like he knows how to play a creep. He knows how to play somebody that's kind of fucked up. And I can just see in my head very clearly how he would play this role and how perfect he is. And and you know, it's really gonna be. I'm interested to see how personal they make the character because we already know a lot of the way he connects to the Waynes and the family and like all of that, the orphanage. And we got some of that revealed in the um, prequel novel as well. And I'm interested to see just how they portray that on screen and how, how much they potentially create a sense of empathy for Riddler, honestly, because that's something they could end up going for. And you could have very much like a Joker situation where like, I could see people kind of going like, I know I shouldn't feel bad, but, I maybe do a little and I, I can see that happening with this character if they if they are going the way we've heard they're going mm-hmm. yeah I think there's going to be a sympathetic aspect to Riddler uh, he's an orphan as we've seen I don't think I'm shocking anyone by saying that no. uh, so yeah I mean like I think there's always kind of this I think Paul Dano's got like a face where like you also want to punch him but like there's kind of an innocence to him as well I think he could play both sides, the monster and the innocent kid that really got his life screwed by the corruption of Gotham City. And I think, mm-hmm. like, it's just such a good fit for the role. Like, I can't think of anyone who could really do that better than Paul. And yeah. I, I just, I'm a Paul Dano enthusiast. And I, I will, I, I will, I will be there opening night for Paul Dano. Yep. That's it. That's all I have to say about Paul Dano. We we support you, Paul. And yes, we and do. Really, and really, for going to the other villain, Colin Farrell, like, I'm super excited to see him as Penguin. He's probably only in it for, I would say, about 10, 15 minutes. I can't, I can't imagine he's huge in the movie. Yeah, yeah. But I think he'll play an important role, and I think this is going to light a fuse that will lead into the Penguin show, lead into sequels, lead into him being the Penguin that we all know and love. And that's all. That's always exciting to see the evolution of a character. Uh, uh-huh. Really, that's all I have to say. I have a theory, though. I do have a theory about him, and I think, I think he is supplying those drops. That's my theory. 
it seems to be like that's his side hustle, putting drugs on the street. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely what he's doing. I that, that seems pretty clear because that's the only logical connection between him and some of these thugs. I think in the whole the whole chase and everything. I think that's the only thing it really could be off the top of my head. So mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes I'm smart. It'd be cool if the if it were like an updated version of Joker's laughing gas and it was him doing it and then he's in jail for that. Uh-huh. But like, I, I I don't think so. But like, no, be cool. But but either way, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, uh, just like give me the give 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 me that give me drug dealer penguin just because like drug runner penguin I should say. But yeah, I mean, what else is there? I'm just so excited for like these comic influences. I really like how he pointed out Batman Ego as a comic influence because like you always get the general kind of famous comic storylines that get pointed out but it's really nice that a more under underappreciated comic like ego got some love yes like you know what i'm saying and you know what i like that we're gonna get a batman suit up scene oh yeah we don't have enough of those in comic book movies oh no oh no Not good, not good, not good. We will get, we will bring Luke back. Don't worry. We will bring Luke back. He will survive. And we have seen the Deadline Batman review. Hi, Luke. Good to see you. Hi. I don't know what just happened, but okay. Me um, neither. Um... But it's it's okay. Uh, but what we were just saying, we haven't seen a suit up scene in a comic book movie in a while. I'm very happy we're getting a Batman suit up scene. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be. There's so many iconic scenes I feel like we're gonna get in this movie just from from this from the trailers and what we've heard. Like, there's a few. Like, obviously, I already said the car chase sequence, but I have a feeling the whole opening scene of this movie is like from the I think from the very beginning they're gonna like set the tone, and I'm very excited to see how they do that. And aside from that, like the entire, we're gonna get another great prison interrogation scene we're gonna get oh yes oh yes i'm glad you mentioned that because i forgot that's probably my most anticipated scene that's good that's gonna be a big one uh i i gotta see that scene just i love a good arkham asylum interrogation just just give me that man like fuck yeah and so yeah what else man like there's so much to really look forward to in this movie it's not it doesn't feel like an mcu movie where you're excited for like easter eggs and all that it just feels like it's such it feels like the start of something fresh in a way it feels very art house but also still very comic booky it's just a lot of things that like i feel like comic book movies need nowadays it feels less machine more it really does feel like matt reeves put his uh put his balls on the table and said you know what i'll make i'll make him my batman and Warner Brothers was like, all right, go for it. And it's like, yeah, that's the way this should be. I mean, we got Rob Pattinson playing Batman. It's good times right now, man. I think I think yeah. this movie's going to rock. Yeah, no, the good times are rolling, man. And I couldn't, 
again, I couldn't be more excited and I couldn't have less concerns. I'm just waiting for the embargo now just to see yep. what, what, what the response is. And I'm looking Monday, forward to dude. seeing it. Yeah. I don't, you know, I must say, I do not think it's a coincidence that the embargo drops the day before the fan first screenings. Because I, it really was about spoilers. They really don't want the spoilers to drop. So there's a, less of a chance of spoilers getting out there like the day before that fans are really about to start seeing the movie. Because like, mm-hmm. I think fans can wait a day. Like I think they can hold off on a day from reading reviews. So that's my, that's my kind of theory. That's why they you know, did the embargo that way. And I... And like, yeah. All the reviews and um, you know they're like they're they're very confident in the movie. That's why they've been showing it so much to critics. Like they've been constantly screening this to critics. Yep, deadline. The deadline review uh, leaked, ironically. Uh, so oh, another critic just gave it three and a half out of five stars. Broke embargo. That would be Peggy Marie of Peggy at the movies. Approved member of the Hollywood Critics Association, you broke embargo. Don't do that. But three and a half stars, good review. Uh, build up. Give me a moment. Give me a moment. Peggy Marie on Letterbox. Huh. So yeah, she broke embargo. She gave it three and a half out of five stars, which is a solid review. How dare she? It should be a five. She can die. <laughs> Should be a five out of five. You know what that equates to on Rotten Tomatoes, though? It equates to a positive review. It's a three and a half out of five is a good review. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that uh, that uh, these reviews, you know, anything above a three is is solid. Three mm-hmm. and above, you're good. Three and above. So, but you know, a lot of people like to take take three and a half out of five and like make it seem like it's a bad review. It's like, no, it's no, it's not. No, it's not. It doesn't have to be a 10 out of 10 then, but whatever. That's, that's just my nitpick on the way people look at life really, where the thing has to be either the best thing ever, the worst thing ever could just be really good. That's it. It's it's going to, it's going to be the best thing ever. I, I, hope so. I hope I'm, so. I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, pretty confident. I'm very confident in this one. I really am. Like the lowest, the lowest I've seen is three and a half out of five, and that's still really good. All right. Well, um, I think that sums up the conversation for this, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm just really prepared. I'm gonna drop a video probably on like Tuesday, uh, like about the comics and. Uh, you know, the games and shows that might have influenced the movie, you know, things that you can read and watch and play to prepare for this kind of new world. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I think like that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't think we have anything else to talk about. I'm glad we came back from our little hiatus. I'm glad that we're back recording and back rolling. And yeah, and now, you know, we are back and I'm really excited for the future. We got a nice content plan, you know, planned out and the, uh, go watch the Raimi essay on our YouTube channel. That's all I have to say. Yes. All right. Well, this has been another wonderful episode as always, but until next time, this has been another amazing episode of Cape time. See everybody. Peace.